Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I love the generations. Um, last weekend, we had about four or five people from the different generations, right from nine years old, <laughs> right through to Shaz. We were Shaz. It's funny when we're the oldest ones, are you? <laughs> um, it was just awesome. And the things they spoke out of Scripture, and I thought, gee, our generational anointing as a church is just getting stronger. And I, I love not having to lead that, but being under it and, and watching what God's doing. It, it is very special. Um, uh, so today's message is God trusts you more than you think. <laughs> Uh, This is part one of I don't know how many in a series. Following God doesn't make logical sense until you look back and see where you've come from. You can't go forward in God by natural sight. And that sounds like a stupid thing to say. It does to me too. But I'll I'll take you through scripture on that. Because uh, what the thought that prompted this for me was Joel Osteen. I was listening to Joel Osteen on the TV because I love his positivity. It helps my negativity. He said, you just have to be very careful of trying to go forward with just logic. Logic's good, but it keeps a lot of people out of their destiny because the Bible actually says walk by faith and not by sight. So, so not, like, not all the time you don't throw out your logic. <laughs> it's helpful, but it's not the number one thing. Walking by faith in what you believe God's saying to you is, is so important. Um, and all of us would have had times where we logicked our way out of what, what God was saying. Um, I just had a classic example of this uh, with my leg. So, you know, early stages after the operation, at about two weeks, I just wanted to get out. I was sick of being home. So we go to the shopping centre. I've got a wheelchair that we hired. So I'm in the wheelchair, but we can't figure out how to... I can hold all the groceries, you know, so we want to do a bit. So I've got the trolley in front of me like this. Ros is pushing the wheelchair, and I'm sitting in it pushing the trolley. But we were, like, out of control. We couldn't do the corners right. Now, I made a really dumb assumption. I thought because I was sitting in the wheelchair, now I'm a choleric, so I kind of lead pretty naturally. So we're going around the aisles, and when we go grocery shopping, we have a fundamental difference. I like to go down every aisle and make sure I'm not missing out on anything. (laughs) Who's, Who's like me? Okay, but Roz is like, no, we've got to get in and out as quickly as we can. I want the minimum number of aisles. So... We start off all right, but I start giving hand signals because I assume I'm in power. First aisle, I go like this, she turns down. I'm thinking, this is so cool. Next aisle, I go like this, she turns down that way. But she'd already had a gutful of it. She's behind me, not seething, but, you know, like, so then she just stops ignoring the hand signals. But what was happening, I'd go like this and turn the trolley like that, and Ros would go the other way. We were wiping people out as we came around the corner. People were really afraid of us. It was out of control. And it wasn't till I adjusted to the fact that someone else was in control and it wasn't me. Because guess what? She's the engine. She's pushing. She's providing the power. So sometime in your life, you have to admit you're not in control. God's pushing the, pushing the car. All right. 
So Roz, you know, in that gracious way, she has taught me a wonderful lesson. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the chapters in the, in the book of your life because I've just got this belief that in the absolute truth of everyone's life is a really interesting book, but you've got to tell the truth. But you know what? We can't write the book. Well, I'm not going to because too many people get ticked off. I read all the time because there's a few authors I follow. I read all the time about when they tell the truth in their life stories, lots of people get ticked off with them because it doesn't always reflect well on, any, on everybody. But if you write a book that reflects well on everybody, no one wants to read it because there's nothing interesting in there. So anyway, regardless of that, your life's an interesting story and you've got some interesting chapters. And I thought, wow, your trials, your opportunities, your growth, your victories, your failings, the sovereignty of God where he's proved you wrong or he's just backed you up incredibly um, which fits in with this. Paul Bartlett said, the state president, when he was here just a few weeks ago, he said, what if it's not about you? It kind of is in a way, but you know what I mean, because God's got your interests at heart. But if we make it about us, we get into error. It has to be about him and how he's leading us. And that's why it's walk by faith, not by sight. Um, Romans 4, God's speaking to Abraham and he you know, does the father of many nations promise, but it's against all fact and all logical sense what, what God's doing. That were not as though they were. And that's when I'll, I'll go through some of the guys in the Bible, like, but Abraham's the big example. He's fatherless, they're too old to have kids, and he calls him the father of many nations. And he's actually speaking into something in him that's dead, and he brings it into life. But why... What had to happen for it to come into life, Abraham had to walk by faith in it. And logically, it, it didn't make sense. And so it goes on to say things like this. Um, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Without weakening in his face, faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, this is what's amazing, he did not waver through unbelief. Well, let me tell you, I would have. But Abraham didn't. This is what's incredible about him. Um, and here's the key, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he'd promised. This is why it was credited to him as Christ. So we have to fight that battle when God's telling us something that's not making sense. We have to fight that battle with ourselves and learn to lead ourselves, not let unbelief win. You know, you assume that God can do what he's saying to you, which is amazing. Um, and I've just, you know, it made me think about the emergence of this church. Like COVID's changed things and so we're re-emerging from a different era. But up until the thing of, you know, we'd, we'd grown from 20 to roughly 1,000 if you took all our churches that we'd planted at their peak and they weren't all at the peak at the same time, there was like 2,000, and it was like 20 to 2,000 was a hundredfold. And I'd always ask God for a hundredfold increase and never thought it had happened. But, but, you know, when he said, build on this land, when the council said in a nice way, look, you just won't be able to build on your land. And the Holy Spirit said, build on the land. And credit to the board at the time, they must have thought, you idiot, how, how are we going to, it doesn't even make sense, but they went with me. But let me tell you this. That was an important thing to get right, because if I was wrong, what happens the next time when I go, well, you know, 
let's do this, it's illogical. You have to get it right, by the way, or apologise if you're wrong. Don't just ignore it if you're wrong. Um, if, if, you wanna, if you want people to follow you when, you, when you're leading like that. Um, mm, send out Bruce when we so needed him in our church to help us lead it because we weren't good leaders. And we did, and, and God blessed us. And when I had burnout, and I said, your vision's killing me. Give me something easier. And he said, okay, plant five churches. I can remember thinking, that doesn't make sense. But he just gave us a way to do that, and we were able to pull it off. Um, Philippians 1.6 says a really interesting thing. I'm just changing a little bit towards you. I'm sort of dealing with your flesh here. It says this, Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What I've found about this scripture is that God's way more determined than you that he's going to complete the work he's begun. I've seen people be away from God for 10 years and he sticks with them and he breaks them. He lets them suffer. And then when they're broken and they ask him for help, he starts to draw them back and he brings them back in. He eventually takes them into heaven. But he will let you go through stuff. And so if he's saying to you today, you know, or in this last season, <laughs> do something different and you're like, yeah, just, just got to walk with him step by step with it. Got to believe that he can, that he can do it. Um, okay, three points. First point, when you move with God, you're way stronger than you think you are. Um, Dan and Ellie were in Sydney and you know how Sydney Harbour is the most beautiful harbour in the world and it is I've seen some nice harbours around the world but Sydney Harbour is the nicest in the world so they like running half marathons together so they're doing a training run around North Head which is if you go in the ferry from Circular Quay you know in the middle of Sydney over to Manly North Head is on the Manly side and it used to be a big army base so you can, it's, it's shut now and you can run through the bush and you get these incredible views over Sydney Harbour. When they get back, Dan says to me, we just went for a run with the most beautiful view probably in the world. Why did you leave Manly? <laughs> he couldn't get his head around, why would you leave Manly? I said, well, I left Manly so Roz could get a job but what it really was... Was God, was God leading us to the central coast? It was that let go of your city thing. So hard to do that. And then eventually it was, um, so that was like come to a good thing and take a church but, but, or be in a church. But then it was like we're in a church of 800 and he says, now we want you to change cities again and go to a church of 20. And 800 to 20 wasn't logical when you're an emerging leader, you know, when you're trying to have an impact for God. But... Have you learnt that? He just sends you to where the need is. He doesn't, he doesn't care about your ego or your, don't you know I'm the next best thing? He hears that. He's like, oh, we've got to deal with you. Let's take you to 20. <laughs> so why did you leave Manly? I think because you're just following God. And Jossie Chaco, who's helping us with our transition and is one of the most fruitful guys on the earth, you know, has planted aiming for 100,000 plants, and I, I, you know, he's more than halfway there. He had this question, why has God rescued me and blessed me? God blessed him financially, blessed him in his upbringing and his training, and just made him fruitful, like way more fruitful than he thought he could be. And I've heard other great people say the same thing. Eventually, I had to answer the question, why has God rescued me and blessed me? I've heard Ralph say that. 
I've heard Bob White say that. I've heard Jay um, Bolton say that. Paul Bartlett said it when he was here two weeks ago, and the great Eddie Jaku, who died recently, the Jewish guy who survived the Holocaust who helped set up the Jewish Museum in Sydney, in his book, he says the same thing. That was the biggest question I had to answer. And even... Um, Who's the guy Dave Durheim loves and it really helped me? He gave me his book, Survive the Holocaust, The Great Psychologist. Is it Viktor Frankl? He said, I had to answer this terrifying question when I survived the Holocaust when nearly, you know, my whole family died, all my friends died. Why was I the one that survived? It was like survivor guilt. And he said, so I eventually had to answer the question in God, why did you want me to survive? It can't be just, woohoo, I survived and everyone, yeah, woo. There had to be purpose in it. Otherwise, nothing was worthwhile while that suffering was wasted. And so I, th I, th I think it's a significant question. And I know many good people that are afraid to ask God the question, what do you require of me? Because they're, they're afraid of his answer. His answer always includes, but I'll be in it with you. <laughs> That's the thing that's supposed to comfort us. And... Well, let's just have a look at Judges 6 and 7 when he calls Gideon. It just, it just represents so well everything I'm trying to tell you today. Um, Paul Bartlett actually referred to Judges 6 about unlearning because he's very good on, on that topic. There's just always some things we have to unlearn. So Gideon is hiding, right? He's hiding because he doesn't want God to use him. He's hiding because the enemy's being victorious and he's really scared. <laughs> it says this, verse 12 of uh, Judges 6. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. To me, Gideon's answer is, Pardon me? That's, what, that's the next word. Pardon me? Like, you're kidding, aren't you? I'm hiding. I'm scared. I'm probably a coward. I'm just figuring that out at the moment. And God calls him a mighty warrior. How many times did you see that in the New Testament when Jesus changed names? You know, and even Abram to Abraham father to father of many. So your name's like that. God's changing your name. Um, Gideon, so Gideon whinges to him. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all these wonders that our ancestors tell us about? So he whinges. He's in unbelief. Um, and God says to him, go in strength. Uh, am I not sending you? Again, he says, pardon me. How can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest and I'm the least in my family. He's lodging it through. Now, using logic's not bad to figure out where you're at and what the cost is going to be, but I, I think he's still doing that out of fear. And then there's this big answer, hey, whoa, 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 I'll be with you. Now, I don't know about you, but my flesh thinks, yeah, <laughs> but my spirit always has learned, you know, through experience. Now, every time he says that, he has proved and he's come through. Even if I've been wrong, he's been able to use it for good. Um, just a couple more things because it's just an incredible story. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, but he's still scared. And he goes, well, I want to put out a fleece. If there's dew on it in the morning and the ground around is dry, I'll know it's you. So God does that. And he says, I'm still not convinced. This time, let the fleece be dry instead of wet in the morning and the ground around it be wet. God goes, okay, let's do that. Then the big test. So the journey starts. So he gathers all the men. He's got 30,000 or something, right? The Lord said to Gideon, you've got too many men. Now, what, I want you to watch this principle. 
I cannot deliver Midian into the hands or Israel would boast against me that my own strength has saved me. He doesn't want you to have a reason for boasting. This is why we don't earn the blessing of God. It has to be by grace because it deals with our pride and it's come from him. And we go back to him and thank him that he's brought us through this. We don't boast to others about what we've come through and say to people, be like me, be like me. He doesn't like that. So it says, so 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. So he had 32,000. He think, well, with 32,000 men I've gathered, there's a slight chance we could win. <laughs> so good, good. So funny, gets rid of 22,000, takes him way back into the impossible. Um, so he said, I've only got 10,000 men. How, how do we beat the Midianites with that? God says, you've still got too many. So he takes, you know, a whole chunk away. He's left with 300 men. The story ends up, God says, give them each a trumpet. They all blow the trumpets under the anointing around different parts hidden in the bush around the enemy camp and it throws the enemy into confusion. They all race out with their swords, don't know who's who because none of them have got their uniforms on and start killing each other and they win the battle. God gets the glory. But while that sounds far-fetched, it's not unlike sometimes how he wants you to move with him. Because you see those tests. Have you seen those tests? And you're like, whoa, whoa. It's supposed to get easier each step along the way, not harder. But often, you know, the first three steps can be a bit hard. And as you investigate, you think, man, it's worse than I thought. But you stay with God and he brings you through. And the day comes when you win. How long have I got left, Ross? Just give me a roughie, two minutes. All right. Victory begins in the dark. John Newsom and Paul Bartlett both love this scripture. The spirit was hovering over the waters because Paul reckons when nothing's happening, God's always moving in the dark. He's already there hovering. Um, uh, there is God seed in you and it has to be planted that's why you've heard me say before about Joel Osteen says, you feel like God's bearing you, but he's not. He's planting you. And seed has to have darkness first. That's why there's an enemy. That's why there's a resistance, because it brings out of us what's in there. Have you ever had the enemy hammering you? You know that time where three things go wrong at once? One thing goes wrong, you think, oh, life sucks, life's hard, and you, you get through it. But when three go wrong, you think, I don't think I can get through this. But something in you rises up, and it makes you run to God and cling on and before you know it, you're already winning. It means you have to get dirty. You have to roll your sleeves up. You have to be in the dirt for a little while. And I forget who said this. They said, often when you feel like you're in a tomb, you're actually in a womb. God is birthing something in you. That, that, that every big thing in your life has to go through a death first. It's like the Abraham Isaac principle. It goes through a death where it looks like it's going to die. But then out of that, the life comes. Mm. Mm. So it's time to invite God into your situation. The focus is <laughs> this, and I'm going to prove it to you from Scripture. Getting God in there with you, not getting you out of the situation. I'm like you. I always pray, get this situation off us, change it, and I'll feel real happy when the circumstance changes. But he very often doesn't do that. And here's the Scripture, John 17, 15. Father... My prayer, this is Jesus speaking, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So listen, most of the time, he comes in there with us. That's his answer. 
It's not much fun, is it? <laughs> but if that's the only answer you got, guess what? That's, that's what we run with. When God is in your situation, light comes in, not logic. Understanding always comes later. It follows. God doesn't often start with understanding. It's, uh, John Lennox does this great thing. I think Ros used it the other week where he says, interesting, on day one of creation, God says, let there be light, but he doesn't create the sun until day four. It's not logical. But the light came in at his command. Logic caught up later. Can you see that? So that's like our lives. It doesn't make sense at first, but when you look back, the logic caps up and you go, oh. Um, proper trust, I, I realise this for the first time preparing this message, proper trust is even if he doesn't. Your trust is so high and go, even if he doesn't deliver me from this or turn in and go, guess what? I believe he's still with me and I'm not going to chuck him in. That's, I thought, whoa. I haven't got much of that in me. I, I realised, you know, we all fall short. So at times, do you get a shock and think, oh, oh, I'm, I'm short on that. I've, I've got to work on that area. And, and that was what I discovered doing this message. So I'm just finishing with this. Beware the vulnerability of your eyes. Walk by faith, not by sight. It's not about understanding. It doesn't start with understanding. Matty Old said a great thing, and I'll finish with this quote. You can come up, Britt. Um, he was sharing the other day, it was quite interesting, and he's had, having a lot of success in the business realm and, and helping a lot of mission stuff amazingly. He said, I've learnt this, the sign that you can't do what you're doing doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It does mean you shouldn't do it without God. Thanks, Brittany. Thank you, Mark, for that great message. It was definitely worth the wait, and you have definitely spoken courageous into us today. Church, I want to ask you, is there a promise that you've heard from God that you are still waiting on? Perhaps it's starting to look impossible and maybe you're a little bit like me and your faith can start to waver. I want to remind you of what Mark said. He said, we live by faith and not by sight. And Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. So faith does not come from what we see, but from who we've heard from. And if you've heard it from God, you can have faith for it. I love in Romans 4, it said Abraham didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but he was fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And that's where our faith needs to sit. So if you're like me and sometimes you waver because you look around and it looks like nothing is happening, I hope that today's message has put a little bit of wind in your sail that you can carry on in full faith that God's promises, God will do what he's promised to do today. Well, church, as always, there is so much happening in church life. And we're about to hear uh, something from Donna that's coming up. Hi, church. Macquarie Leadership College is open for mid-year enrolments. If you have a desire to learn and grow and lean into the vision of our church, then this is for you. The firmer your grasp on Christian doctrine, the greater your confidence in scripture and assurance of your faith. In second semester, we will be offering Old Testament themes, communicating in ministry, and the life and work of Jesus. If you are on site today, come and see me after the service. If you are online, you can contact the church. I believe God gave me a mandate for this year. Directly out of Ephesians 4, he said, prepare my people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
So reach out today if this resonates with you. Thank you, Donna. Hey church, we've got a couple of really exciting months coming up. As a whole church, we're going to be leaning into the book of Romans together. We're going to be going through it in our morning services. We're starting next week with Mark McLennan kicking off. And then we've got a whole host of amazing speakers to continue through that journey with us through the book of Romans. It is a really rich book full of theology and encouragement for us. So I want to encourage you, why don't you this week start preparing for that? Maybe you could talk to your life group and maybe you'll go through it as a life group or you might find a couple of friends to do it with. Or maybe you want to find a book on it so you can go a little bit deeper. I know I'm really excited about it and I hope that you are too. Well, thank you for joining us for church this week. We've loved having you online and in the chat and connecting with one another. And we can't wait to see you either back here or in. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.